Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. As always, I am really excited to share today's interview. You guys are really in for a treat. I hope you're going to learn a lot. And I hope after this episode, you really take action because there are a lot of next steps you could have after listening to this episode. So today I'm chatting with Abby Love, who is the founder of PACT, the Police Autism Community Training Organization. When I interviewed her, she was halfway across the world in Australia. And Abby is one of the co-founders of PACT, which provides training and support for first responders about autism and strategies when working with autistic individuals. And as she'll share in our conversation, their trainings really focus on strategies that first responders can use. It really focuses on this dual training method, which I absolutely love, and really supporting communities to have those kind of grassroots organic connections. So when individuals are out in the community, they feel safe and police officers will feel comfortable supporting these individuals, especially in those high stress situations that can come about. So before I try to, you know, summarize our whole interview, let's go ahead and jump in with our chat with Abby Love. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me. I am really looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and what you do. So let's just jump right in. Can you share a little bit about PACT and how it came to be? Absolutely. So 
PACT is an organization that I started. Um, it stands for Police Autism Community Training. Um, it's an organization we started back in 2015 with a primary aim to train first responders about how to better support individuals on the autism spectrum. Um, I'm an educational psychologist and I've been a teacher and I'm a sibling to an autistic young adult and we began creating and sharing safety materials back in 2015 just in our own community and um, since then it's, it's grown to an international group that works um, in coordination with lots of different individuals doing research, doing um, sharing safety materials and primarily training first responders um, about how best to be prepared in emergency situations with autistic individuals. And um, our work actually began for personal reasons. Um, there was a lot of academic research now to support our work, but back when we started, it was, it was really personal reasons. Um, the first was on behalf of my brother. He's a really incredible human being, but um, being on the autism spectrum he has a lot of natural personality traits that put him at really high risk um, for being in a challenging situation with a police officer. And so my family and I were asking really hard questions about whether or not our community would be prepared and he would be prepared to have safe interactions if, if he had to. And um, at the same time, I was also working with a young boy named George and his family who was nonverbal. Um, and he, again, had we had those questions for him. Would he be able to interact with the police? Do the police even know what autism is? And um, we just started asking questions in our community about the type of training police received. And um, to be honest, at that time, we were really shocked to find out um, basically the word autism didn't even come up in police training. And um, so we went after it ourselves. Myself and um, another parent started designing a training and, and took it to our local police department. And the funny thing is our first packed training that we were allowed to do um, we were asked to present about autism for a huge department of police officers in 15 minutes. Um, so we we said yes, and we, we, we gave them kind of the fire hose method and, and gave them enough information so that they would want us back. And thankfully, we got asked back for a longer training to, to give more details. But from that initial training, we just continued designing. And since then, we've been improving our materials with autistic input and research and moving across the country with getting kind of getting the word out about the importance of this type of training. Oh my gosh. I love this. And I, that story is kind of funny about the 15 minutes because so I was actually talking about that with someone else today on a, on a podcast interview. And we're like talking about that with schools. Like sometimes you just got to take what you can get. You get 15 minutes. Absolutely. I'll take 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We, well, we were thrilled that they said yes. And we just thought, okay, let's just give them enough information to be honest, we wanted to scare them a little bit. We wanted to say, we, you know, we wanted to leave with them asking so many questions that, that they brought us back and thankfully it worked. So that was, that was good. So are you seeing more as you kind of work with different parts of the country and parts of the world, are you seeing more police forces have more training on it or is it still something that is pretty unknown? No, look, absolutely. It, it has been um, incredible to be a part of this movement, you know, over the past 10 years because um, we are seeing more and more training, um, more and more police departments come to us and other organizations for training, um, start asking the questions before we even have to come and introduce ourselves and try to get our training into the departments. Um, states are mandating it, which is, which is incredible. I'm um, PACS beginning to work with West Virginia and then in the next little bit who's mandated it and gotten some funding for it and lots of different states across 
the country or the United States are mandating it. And then um, similarly, in, internationally, the same thing is happening. But um, one of the things is, is that the research hasn't yet caught up to, to the movement for training. And so we're madly, um, I'm a researcher as well, I'm an educational psychologist, and we're madly trying to study it at the same time as we deliver it, um, just so that we know what's going to be most effective. Um, training police offices is a really unique training environment, and we've got to, um, you know, take our time and study what's working and what's not. So, um, yes, we are seeing more, but the diversity and types of training and lengths of training and, and content and curriculum is still really, really variable um, just because we don't yet have the research to back it up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I like picturing that kind of competition of like, we need it now, but we also need the research um, in everyone's yeah. head too. It's it's hard to balance both. I, I the you know, that's great that it started from such an organic, you know, real reason. I was thinking back as you were talking to um, a student of mine, probably now 10 years ago, whose mom went to the local police, uh, the local police department once a year to reintroduce herself, meet any mm -hmm. of the new people that had been hired, bring pictures of her son, meet her son. And I thought that was so phenomenal, but it also like made me kind of sad in the same time that this mom has to do so much for her kid. And now this is like one more thing on her plate that she has to do and another way to advocate. And that was awesome that she was doing that. But I was like, gosh, there has to be other ways. Like she can't be the only person showing up there once a year. And that's the only training these police officers are getting. Oh, uh, it's, 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 to be honest, it's the reality sometimes. And, you know, it sounds like that parent was an amazing advocate and, and look, that's the kind of thing we do try to do. So our, our work, we do two, you know, main things in our training. We, we bring trainings to police departments as often as we can. And we do that same thing. So it sounds like the parent was doing, we come back as often as we can, knowing there's turnover in police departments and recruits coming in and out. Um, but we also work with, with the autism community and make sure that the safety information is available for them. So this isn't, you know, this isn't, can't be a one-sided thing. Even, even if we had police ready, we need to consider, um, you know, the, the local community and whether or not um, autism schools, you know, safety is being taught in schools and individuals are receiving direct instruction on how to be safe with the police and um, thinking about the interactions that need to be taught really directly and really explicitly. So we do what we call a meet and greet um, that is the other side of the coin. So while we're training police officers, we put on these repetitive meet and greets in communities so that um, autistic individuals and their families, adults, children, everybody can come and practice these interactions with police, practice talking to an officer, practice delivering personal information that they might, you know, have been told to keep silent and practice safe hand movements, um, really, really good interactions that are going to lead to um, healthy, safe interactions with police. And look, it's critical, especially, you know, when we consider intersectionalities between autism and race and, and everything that we know um, that's a work in progress in our country with, with law enforcement. And so having, you know, having a dedicated space and time to do exactly what this family was doing that you, that you shared about to give that direct teaching about who, who actually is in the community and um, letting police officers get to know those individuals um, can make a critical difference. We had a really exciting story. One time we had trained a, a local police department and 
Um, you know, they had received the training really well, but we kind of hadn't gotten past that knowledge of autism. And so we held quite a lot of um, meet and greets where we brought in community members and had them practice and get to know and introduce themselves. Um, and following one of those meet and greets, we had an individual um, that had eloped and run away and, and needed support really quick. And that individual happened to have met a police officer at our meet and greet. And she was the one that went out on the call and already had a relationship with this individual. And it went extremely, um, you know, 100% better than it would have gone had that individual thought of the police officer as a stranger. Um, and we just, yeah, we want, we want to reinforce that, that this isn't just about giving knowledge and awareness to our police officers. It's, it's got to be two-sided. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that story has to like, make you like, be like, yes, this is why we're doing this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if, and if you think about how often the police are called in those really hard situations that families are in where maybe, you know, an individual is overwhelmed or becomes aggressive and the family doesn't know what else to do and, and calls the police now the police are put in the situation that they're called to help, but they might not have all that knowledge about who this individual is and their diagnosis and their needs to safely help that individual deescalate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's part of, you know, when we give our training, we, we talk through scenarios and, and we say, look, these are kind of the, you know, looking at all the research that we have gathered, these are the high risk situations that you'll have interactions with. And one of them is exactly what you described. It's that um, that opportunity for police to support families in those really challenging meltdown, aggressive moments where they just need another body there to help keep um, their loved ones in their house and their um, family safe. And, and we work with police officers on um, how they can support and help de-escalate when, when possible and without knowing, like you said, without knowing things like special interests and, um, you know, favorite food and allergies and all, all the things that you do need to know to really, truly support somebody. We try to give them that, um, you know, the strategies that they can use in those direct situations because they are, you know, they're very common and that's, that's what police need to be prepared for, as, you know, as well as the, the kind of, um, typical, you know, your um, stops, traffic stops or um, interactions that are more emergency type situations. And it's, you know, it's, it's really tricky. We, we try to look deeply at PACT at both sides of the coin. We try to look at police officers and the challenge that they have to show up and support, you know, this wide range of community members all the time um, and consider how they can, um, you know, have some strategies ready just to support our autistic community while also supporting everybody else. It's, it, it's a hard task. It, it really is. And we try to have, you know, empathy and support for them as well. Yeah. And that's how you're going to be successful by like connecting, you know, with both sides. That's great. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I mean, huge question here. <laughs> I don't know how, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, of content, but pretty much an overview. You mentioned talking about those de-escalation strategies in your training, but what's kind of an overview of what 
you try to hit on for sure in those trainings that you have? What types of, in general, content and strategies do you share? Yeah, sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, our trainings have really evolved over the years. Um, like I mentioned earlier, being a researcher and an educator myself, we, we've been constantly seeking feedback from autistic individuals, and um, we've kind of brought down our sections on what autism is and, and how to identify it um, just because of that pressure police officers feel to not be somebody that's diagnosing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. police officers don't have that time and space to stop and diagnose. But what, what the main kind of one of the biggest take home messages that we want police officers to hear is to consider autism. So consider mm -hmm. it along with other things that they have to consider on the job every day. And the, the main part, kind of the bulk of our training is all about the strategies. So how to communicate more effectively, how to support someone that might be experiencing sensory overload and what sensory overload might look like. Um, how to have these positive interactions by reducing touch, having more patience, giving wait time, speaking to caregivers, um, considering the environment they, they're in and how it might be increasing or decreasing stress. And, and again, just not jumping to conclusions with people when you see them acting differently. Um, we, we try to expand police officers' mind on, on how um, people might be acting and, and behaving and why they might be doing that. And those are really hard things. And like you said, we've, we've got to have that empathy for police officers and understand that those are hard things for police officers to do in high stress situations. But it's critically important for an autistic person who will only find the opposite of those strategies, you know, the opposite of patience and the opposite of touch, um, extremely stressful and possibly lead to meltdowns or triggering behaviors, which is only gonna, you know, obviously escalate the situation. And so we, we try to share videos and scenarios and stories to help uh, police officers feel how important this type of training is. Um, and they seem to really benefit from practicing those alternative communication techniques, like using a picture board or texting instead of talking. And, um, you know, we also talk a lot about autism and eloping or running away and how to support an individual that's, that's eloped, just knowing that that's one of the leading causes of death for autistic individuals. So. Again, the bulk being that strategy section where we give scenario after scenario and really talk through it and, and get police feedback too, saying, you know, is this realistic? Can you take on these strategies? And if you can't, let's problem solve them now and, and find a strategy that you can take on. I love that. And that's like, in general, the type of training I want to be in about anything that's strategies. You know what I mean? I want to hear, like, that's in general how I am as an attendee. Am I always like, I want to hear this stuff, you know? Um, and I love your point of like the goal being consider autism, just like you could see how just planting that seed and just having that possibility be in there could even be a game changer in a heightened situation on being like, oh yeah, remember a year ago we talked about this, this could be the situation. Absolutely. And, and we share that, you know, that golden nugget of a fact that these strategies aren't going to hurt anybody, you know, the yeah. things that we're sharing with, with them are going to help somebody that might have English as a second language, or they're going to help somebody that might be in a mental health crisis. So if, you know, we always say, consider it, guess it, and just go with the strategies because it's not, it's not going to hurt somebody else that, that might be in a challenging situation for a different reason. Um, even if they're not correct in, in guessing about autism or considering autism. Yeah. 
what kind of feedback are you getting from first responders that you're giving these trainings with? Uh, our feedback's been really positive. Look, we, we get, we, we run surveys and we ask questions when we're there. And, and, and like I said, I've conducted research in the U.S. and Australia, and there's a big international group that's studying this, this topic right now too. And the, the main feedback we're getting is this training is great. We need it. We want it. Um, but we do also need that little bit more, that on the job, that chance to practice, um, that chance to have local community interactions. Um, so, you know, we're uh, continuing to study and think about how we can best um, have those, those kind of next steps in the training, because obviously delivering curriculum is doable online or virtually or even in person if we, if we can do that. Um, but it's kind of thinking about how to have large scale next steps. Um, so whether that's simulation training or, um, you know, more videos, that kind of thing. So we're, we're hearing that it, this is good and really helpful and really positive, um, really grateful police offices. We've had really amazing positive feedback, but again, um, just wanting that next step more. And so that's why we, you know, part of our work is, is pushing families to do that advocacy work bring their child to the police station, host those sort of community events. And, you know, part of what PACT does is, is help families in, in supporting and, and running these type of community events so that that next step in the training can happen, that practice and those practical um, interactions when it's not a high-stress situation, when it's just a calm, um, happy community exchange. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about some of the services um, you provide, especially that like consultation piece? If parents and teachers listening are like, oh my gosh, I want to do this, um, what kind of help can you give them on getting that started? <coughs> Absolutely. So we work um, in a primarily consultation model and we have our materials open source. So lots of our materials are on our website, but we also um, individualize them and, and work with communities or individuals, families, police stations, police departments, whoever, whoever will come to us and say um, they need some support and training and setting up a training. Our, our job and our mission is to help communities do that and deliver that. So we share our materials, we adapt them, um, we train the individual as much as they need so that they feel prepared to deliver that content. And um, our team members also go out and do the training as well, but you know, we're only a small team, so we this consultation model works really well because we can help empower families and communities to do it on their own. And then the second piece is, is training and, and teaching people how to do these meet and greet opportunities, which again, we feel at PACT are absolutely critical. So, you know, we can train and we can deliver an amazing educational professional development, but if we don't bring together these communities, the law enforcement community and, and the autism community, we're not going to get um, that knowledge to stick. And so that's again, that's again what we do. We walk um, individuals through anybody. We have people come to us from all walks of life. We have parents come to us. We have uh, you know, speech therapists, teachers, uh, police, police officers themselves that say, look, I think I'm in a position to set this community event up. Can you help us and kind of guide them in getting supplies and resources and, and setting it up and running the event? And when possible, we come too. But, um, you know, our, our model is more of an empowerment model where we can empower communities and, and share our resources with as many, many people as we can. Oh, that's great. And I'm going to share your website in our um, show notes so everyone can click on it because 
I can, you know, a lot of my audience is teachers and clinicians, and I hope this has inspired people to kind of investigate this idea. And as you said, empowered um, those educators to maybe start this process themselves, because as you said, there's such a huge need. And if we can start it on this community level, it can have such an impact. Absolutely, Sasha. And educators specifically um, can have a great role. You know, we've worked with a lot of different schools and having safety resources go out as a, a unit of curriculum so we can support teachers in that too and share those resources with them so they can have a unit on safety um, and helping teach these, these interactions right in the classroom. And that's an incredible way to, to get this knowledge to a, a larger number of people in the community and having having these units and lessons on safety and then inviting police officers into a classroom as part of the unit can can serve as a meet and greet and, and do incredible work. And um, oftentimes our educators, like you said, have then become trainers for the police departments. And um, it just becomes this um, cyclical interaction that, that just leads to a safer community and puts a lot of um, confidence in the families as well that they can help their children and young adults eventually to get out in the community with a little bit more safety, a little bit more confidence that, that they can be supported by police. Yeah. I mean, you think about all these young adults going into the world and, you know, I mean, that's, that's stressful in general. I think for any parent as your child becomes independent, but when, you know, there's struggles with communication and other in independence and then not knowing what, you know, the people that are in the community there to support them, what that will look like. I mean, I can't even imagine. So yeah, having that confidence, knowing it, you know, will be safer that there's that connection already. And the two-way training model that you've described is, is so key. Like having that training for the individuals as well on how to share emergency information and all of those things. I mean, that should be taught in every school. I'm having like such a light bulb moment listening to you talk about that. Absolutely. It should be. Yeah. It should be taught year after year, you know, just, just to make sure that, that we're confident and, um, you know, when when our kids and our young adults and everybody feels confident in having these interactions that, you know, that I know we're running short on time, but the, the last story I can share is George, our, the, one of the reasons we started this work. Um, like I said, he was a young, he was probably six or seven when we started this work, and he's come to obviously so many of our meet and greets because he's been a part of this work with his parents and with myself. And um, he's gone from, you know, not wanting to be anywhere near a police officer because they looked scary and they were somebody that they had, he hadn't had any interactions with and um, he uses an iPad to communicate. So, you know, he obviously knew that they didn't know how to communicate with him. And, um, you know, now we're 10 years later and he'll walk up to any police officer. He knows how to share his communication device with them. Um, he waves to them. He's, you know, he's ready for that what you know what every parent hopes never happens but he is ready if if a police officer ever does need to support um him and it's just it, it that, that's why we're doing this work right we're doing it for the individuals and um yeah you're right schools are an incredibly important avenue in in this work awesome well abby thank you so much i i can't wait to see where this all goes in the next 10 years right like look back at how far everything has come and and there's only more to do so thank you so much for sharing all about your amazing organization. And I know you'll have a lot of people learning from you in the future. Thanks so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. 
Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.